Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 127, recorded live on Wednesday, November 11th, 2009. And here are your hosts, the man who is a fan of TNG and DS9, Dave Play. Hello. The man who was a fan of SG-1, well actually probably still is a fan of SG-1, Andy Lowe, hi. And our guest this week, a man who I'm guessing is a fan of BSG, Ozke Fedrotsky. Hello. Did I get that right? You are a fan of BSG? Oh, very much so. Okay. I would like to amend this by saying I'm not an exclusive fan of TNG and DS9. Voyager and the original series were both fun, too. And Enterprise was I gotta say, I absolutely appreciate that you are a fan, foremost, of TNG and Deep Space Nine, because that is easily the most underrated Star Trek series. Oh, yeah. Oh, very much so. What about Voyager, though? No, Voyager was overrated. Yeah. Voyager was definitely overrated, but I still have a lot of affection for it. because They it... grew into their roles in Voyager. The first couple episodes are just god-awful. Definitely. But, I mean, it, it had a little bit more humorous tone than most Star Trek, and the characters were very lovable. I mean, they weren't necessarily the most outstanding examples of Starfleet officers, I'd say, but... They were they well, were lovely. half of them weren't supposed to be. No, oh, there you go. And Enterprise then, was fun. <laughs> I know some people who hate it. Uh, Enterprise, I remember being so excited for. And then, like, oh, we're going to try and make this like original Star Trek. And that didn't work. And they said, well, we're going to try and make it like Voyager. And that didn't work. And they said, ah, oh, fuck it, and canceled it. What if I said LIS? Would you understand what I'm talking about then? LIS? Yes. Yes. I would not. Lost in... Uh, danger, uh, Will Robinson, okay. danger. Yeah, that, that's a little appropriate. With Dr. I mean, the whole... Smith, who was just crazy. So why? What's the purpose? Was there any reasoning behind naming TV shows as the intro? Yes, yes, there was, Dave. Okay. Because you if you look in? at the last link I added to, to the suggested links for this episode, Oz at Epic Default had put a little rant about the new Stargate show that came Oz's out a rant. couple week ago. Yes. That is something I did. And I personally have now just finished watching all seven episodes that have been aired so far. And I'm not sure where the hell I stand on it. Because like I said, I was an SG-1 fan. I have, well, I realize now I actually don't have the entire SG-1 series because I stopped after season eight when the show should have stopped. But it's, and Atlantis was okay for the first couple of seasons and then just... Once, once you killed the doctor, then it's, it was over for me. Well, I, I should also just say, and this is from my very limited experience watching Atlantis sometimes, because it happened to be on, and I like the theme music. They started with vampires <laughs> being the primary enemy. That's, that's just that's, that's a just bad idea recipe right now. For I don't know what, but it's not going to be good. Yeah, but Dave, this was five years ago they started with vampires. They still started with vampires. I mean, yeah. vampires were a bit played out at the time. Now they're super played out. Especially with but the at new- the time, they were a bit played out. God, the, the Twilight movie. They're, no joke, because I, I get my emails for the, the movie theater so I can see which ones are the, the cheap ones mm-hmm. with my frequent moviegoer card. And Great no, investment, by the way. I know. Four bucks for a movie. Wow, that's really good. And and there's a coupon for popcorn and a drink, which is cheaper than buying either the popcorn by itself or the drink by itself. That's kind of awesome. What type of theater do you have there? It's, good, rich, quality, whatever. Yeah, it's a good, rich theater. I don't know if you have any. I think they're mostly yeah, think only they're... in the Midwest. 
Yeah, I don't think we have any of those. It's all Regal or something. I don't know. AMC, probably. Yeah, AMC is a lot of them. Side note, they're doing a midnight showing of the the Twilight movie. And they're the actually... New the new one? Yeah. And before that, they're actually playing the first movie over again at 9 p.m. Oh. Just to go. catch you up. So you can watch the first movie and then, I guess, like, get out of the theater and stand in line to watch the second movie right in a oh. row. I'm not going to go to the, anywhere near the theaters on that day. Yeah. I mean, sure, one could go and see Twilight and then the sequel to Twilight where they meet their best buddies, the werewolves. Or, you know, one could pound nails through their dick. Re- really, there's a lot of things one could do. But uh, Go see Pirate I, Radio. It seems to be funny. <laughs> I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I mean, it did, the, the Twilight series, and this is showing how much of a nerd I am, actually did prompt me to devise a name for a friend's vampire deck in Magic the Gathering. That is the one thing I will credit it with. What did you name it? Sparkle Motion. <laughs> It's two simultaneous references, so I, I decided that was that was worthwhile. Have either of you seen the original Twilight movie? The original, the the first Twilight movie? No, I have not, but I am scheming on acquiring a completely legitimate copy and getting the riff tracks that go along with it because that's the original Mystery Science Theater guys, so I can't help but imagine that that would be really funny. Yeah, I went to go actually see the Rift Tracks guys when they did their uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, yeah, yeah, I totally caught that. It was a, it was really funny. That, that was pretty funny. We're sorry, Fort Worth. <laughs> several times but yeah i i had brought oz on this week because i saw his article there and i watched the pilot of sgu stargate universe and i it didn't seem to be very stargatey so i wanted to get like an outside impression especially somebody who's actually seen bsg because i think we've got one of the miniseries on dvd somewhere in my apartment but i'm not sure where i haven't really gone out and looked for it i think somebody got it for somebody for christmas but i was trying to see what somebody who who has seen BSG thought of SGU. And that would be me? Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Well, the thing is, you can kind of get the impression just from watching the series. The, the way they do the external shots of the ship are very similar. The way they kind of have the shaky cam going on inside, that's somewhat similar. But more than that, I mean... The whole the whole sense of hopelessness was something that they really played up in the first season of BSG, and they carried that right over to SGU. They made it feel very, very bleak, very, very hopeless, which is actually very nice because there's a lot of sci-fi series that have a team with unlimited resources, or they're on a ship that's like the most powerful in the fleet, or blah 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 blah. And there's very little desperation. There's a lot of people, you know, kind of coolly keeping their heads, working things out, but you don't see any you know kind of human panic reactions and so in sgu at least right now it has that same feel as the first season of bsg which is people are beginning to freak out because everything has gone to hell and they don't know what's going on but there's there's definitely some cues that were taken there yeah and watching going from sg1 to sgu it's not literally like night and day where SG One was very there, it was always bright lit. Like there, it was always clean. It was it was the, with the military, so it was all nice and bright and clean and some nice flowing pans and everything. And then you get to SGU and it's dark. Like I had to turn up the brightness of my monitor a little bit when I was watching some of these things because of how dark the scenes were. It is it is very dark. And the, the whole and it was I don't know SG One I was 
kind of proud of that the Air Force actually was a backer of the show. They were they were proud. They they put their stamp of approval on it. I'm not sure if they would do that with this new show or not because there there is so much insubordination and just craziness going on that it, I don't know if it would be Air Force would be yes we we approve of this show. And okay, one thing I was you said all the the hopelessness isn't that like the cliche now with sci-fi is the hopelessness. Well, I only have seen one series do it well so far, and I, at least for me, it hasn't really lost its kind of a funny word to use, but its charm because. Well, it's still kind of new. And I mean, opposed, opposed to the, the whole optimistic sci-fi. Now, granted, I am kind of wanting to see uh, optimistic sci-fi make a uh, comeback, at least with regard to movies, because for a long time it's been, no, oh, we're so screwed. And we could use some more optimistic sci-fi, you know, st- stuff like Star Trek. But on TV, it was pretty much only optimistic for a long time. So I, I still find it a little bit novel, the whole depressing sci-fi. Yeah, with BSG, it seems like there was like a, a was a paradigm shift or something like that? Am I um, using that correctly? I, I think you or, are. Well, Don't quote me on that. I'm not an English major. Dave? It, yeah, it's you could say that. Yes. Because it's it was a up shift to... in the basic way that things happen. Yeah. There was uh, at least such a shift at uh, sci-fi or SIFI, I guess, as they're now called, because BSG was such a huge moneymaker for them. So they definitely want to emulate that success again. And I mean, probably they're trying to do it with SGU. Because you think about it, back in like 2003, and then we had what, Lost coming out and a bunch of those other dark, scary sci-fi Oh, uh, Heroes? Yeah. Heroes is a good example. The original Heroes. Not the new crazy Heroes that's going on right now. I am unaware of pretty much anything to do with Heroes, so. I still keep tabs because it's interesting, but... But it got weird. (laughs) Yeah. There's literally right now a point where Siler's taken over somebody else's body, so it's kind of like a whole, like, multiple personalities, and his body's got Nathan's brain, and then there's... See, this is why I stopped watching it. There are crazy carnies now. Okay. (laughs) This is why I stopped watching it yeah oh also um, claire might be gay too really uh, yeah because the boyfriends she had in like first season were nothing well now she's in college and her roommate kissed her and so she's trying to figure out if she has these feelings for her or not so it's so it's a teen drama is yeah. what you're saying yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Now, I, I mean, with, with BSG, I will say that, it, I mean, like Heroes, it deteriorated a bit over time, especially considering that the last couple seasons kind of slapped you in the face with the Iraq allegory for a while, which was right around the time Obama came into, the, into office. So for me, it was kind of like, well, yeah, I get it. We're kind of hoping to, to change that. The management has shifted around here. I mean, and this is just me. I mean, this was kind of how I was thinking in college when I was 2004 was my freshman year of college. I was I got really really into dystopian fiction at that time, dystopian sci-fi in particular because Bush had just been reelected. Mm-hmm. And I, I just started thinking, well, you know, if I'm about to be living it, Might I should as well just read go it. With it. Yeah, let's just let's just read it. Read it, watch some just just get that whole feeling in place. And it, it didn't feel quite so appropriate uh, at least with a, a new relatively popular president. Regardless of whatever decisions policies he's made, this was just my Wait, but the, the the Iraqi stuff from BSG didn't come out in 2009. It came out a bit earlier than that, it's true, but they kind of no, kept it going. When they was kinda, season four? Season four was partially this year, partially last year. No. But the, the tone had lightened by that point, and I mean of the country, not of the show. Uh, whereas the show, I mean, the whole occupation was over, yes, but there was a lot of the political, you know, oh, you're with us, you're against us kind of witch hunt thing going on for a few episodes there. And it was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, season season four started in 
early in April of 2008. That's right. So and it was they, like six months before for, the election. They broke for several months, didn't they? I they oh, did. there was the writer's strike. I could be super high. Yeah, but the the Iraqi episodes were, were in season three, weren't they? Yes. Capturing the silence. I don't know. It could, it could be that my rape. It could be my view that is a little slanted because I did get around to it late. Yeah. Suicide bombings was season two of uh sorry, episode two of season three. That was in two thousand six. Okay. Well, in that case, I am just super high. As okay. I said. It's kind of funny if you think about it now. Like I've, I've been watching the, the V miniseries because I'm trying oh, to yeah, compare Yeah, that was on last night, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm comparing it to the last V miniseries that I saw. Side note, in my parents' bedroom, my brothers actually painted a V on my bedroom window using um, the, the fake snow in a can that you use for like right, models. Your parents' and... bedroom, you mean your parents' house? Yes. Okay. My old bedroom in my parents' house, they actually spray painted a, a, a snow V on my window, mm-hmm. which still has not completely been able to get gotten rid of. <laughs> So note to self that fake snow stuff, that's like permanent if you put it on glass. Stains glass. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, I'm I've, I've comparing the new one to the old one. It's kind of funny. Like if you think about the, the aliens in the new V, they seem to actually have kind of a very Obama tone to them. They're like, oh, hope and change is coming. Embrace us and we'll, you'll have a better future sort of thing. And it's, it's kind of funny and yet also sad at the same time. Well, I mean, okay. And this is regardless of my personal political leanings. The change moniker is one that has been taken up many times to varying effect. I mean, let's let's face it. Humans like hope because without hope, well, we're just kind of stuck watching dystopian sci-fi or that or that. Man, I was pretty hopeless back then. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of something that we gravitate to. So it kind of makes sense that an invading alien force would embrace that. Or, you know, a secret Muslim from Kenya Who's going to take over our country and turn it into an Islamic state? That <laughs> Socialist Islamic state. Yes, of course. Socialist is- Islamic state. I was having trouble keeping a straight face when I said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. God. Where, uh, where was this going? I don't, I don't remember. So let's, let's roll it back, actually. Uh, so right, we've had to do it a couple times, but SGU was our initial topic. I, I, I'm going to have to watch another episode, but I'm not sure how long I can keep on watching this thing because it's, 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 it's honestly more BSG than it is Stargate. It's, it's a sad sign when you have Richard Dean Anderson playing Colonel O'Neill or General O'Neill or whatever he is now, he's, and he's being serious. He's also kind of fat, isn't he? Yeah, he is a little on the chubby side. Yeah, but it's Richard Dean Anderson. I mean, you can. He can do whatever he wants to do now. It's He's had quite a long career. So, hey, more power to him. But when you have Richard Dean Anderson being serious, I mean, come on. I can follow that, but I don't know. I kind of like it from the standpoint that I, I did enjoy SG-1 or what parts of SG-1 I saw. I really could stand to watch more. But it felt like when they were making Atlantis, it's like, well, what do our viewers like? And they started thinking about, it's like, well, they like the Stargate. Yeah, yeah, they like the Stargate. Let's have them go through the Stargate all the time. Okay. What do they also like? Oh, they like that spaceship. Okay, let's have a lot of spaceships. And they ended up, as I mentioned in my, my little note, they basically turned it into practically a TNG clone. And it just didn't work very well. And it, it just didn't, I mean, sure, they were trying to emulate the feel of Stargate, but it, it didn't really work. Yeah. Once- and so SGU isn't really trying to, to keep that feeling of old Stargate. It's trying to make another story 
in the same mythos, which I mean, I, I guess that could alienate some fans of the original, but I think they'll, I think they'll tie it all back. Well, we'll see. Hopefully it'll get a little bit lighter, but not too light though. Cause I mean, they are seriously on a giant ancient ship with a lot of weapons and shields and shuttlecraft, and it could just become TNG again. Yeah. And I don't want that to happen. Well, they're going to have to clean some windows first. True. True. They're going to have to, they're going to have to scrub off a little bit of that grime that's everywhere. Why it's really so, old. Yeah, why is there so much grime, though? I thought there was, like, nothing in space. I don't know. Oh, we lost uh, lost Dave. Oh, we always lose Dave. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't worry. We're, we're talking about Stargate. Dave Dave doesn't need to be here for this. Oh, okay, fair. I'm not sure if Dave um, has watched anything past DS9 or not. Well, no, you're right. He did watch Enterprise for a bit. What I do find myself thinking, just leaping backwards as we try to reconnect him. Hang on, I'm I'm totally, I I have a complete thought here. Right. At least in as far as, you know, the whole grime and decay thing is concerned. In BSG, they don't have a, uh, you know, they don't have any way to repair the ship, really. It kind of breaks down over time. You can see from the first episode through to the last episode how much uh, damage has been done to the ship, how much it's been just worn out. And then with Universe, the ship that they're on is, I mean, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that there's decay on there. But at the same time, uh, and then I lost my thought, hang on. Uh, at the same time, they are, they are showing that the ship is hundreds of thousands of years old. Um, and you compare that to a, a show with a somewhat similar premise, such as Voyager. And... Really, the two-episode um, arc in Voyager, um, Equinox, did you see that one? Which one was that? That was the one with uh, where they come across the other Federation ship, uh, the USS yes. Equinox. Equinox just ah, – it, it kind of hurt a little bit because in my reckoning, that episode, Equinox, was what all of Voyager should have been. The Equinox itself, I mean. Because with with uh, Voyager – and they, they also kind of did the same thing with the Year of Hell arc. But um, their ship was – in pristine condition every episode, with a handful of exceptions. But it was working fine. They had plenty of resources. They had plenty of food for everybody. And, I mean, sure, it's a Star Trek series. That's kind of what they're aiming for. But at the same time, they are light years from – they are years away. But that was kind of the the moral is that, like, you you can do this one of two ways. You can be really run down and and have on your own if you are on your own, whereas Voyager took steps to be sociable, as it were, and to trade and deal. And so they gained supplies that way. Well, they did, but but also, I mean, there's a certain amount of, I mean, if you're, if no, you're using a ship. No, because they were in the ship, middle of nowhere. They were in the middle of, of a lot of civilizations. And that's, that is something. That they were alone, it's just they didn't have Starfleet. Uh, that is something that is maybe a little more unique to, um, well, I guess, to Star Trek in particular, because there's a lot of civilized races in Star Trek. But even then, the whole, I mean, they're even just using the ship, for as long as they were, without a routine maintenance trip to a, a starbase, it should show a little bit of wear. I mean, come on, just just a bit. Maybe something not working quite as well as it did on the day that they they took off. But they didn't have really any of that, and I, I found it a little bit little bit frustrating. Like Equinox, though, that was a, that was a really yeah. good arc. And I, 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 who am I kidding? I love Voyager. I really do. But. <laughs> But I mean, I, with a long journey like that, it would have been nice to see a little bit of something gone wrong, as opposed to nothing gone wrong. I, I'm just curious now, though. Cause I'm thinking like all the the satellites and stuff that we have up in space at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like wondering how long they'll last. Yeah, 
That's uh, a tough call. So I remember the, the International Space Station stuff that I was reading for last week, which you never actually got to, but they were actually talking about how the solar cells, the, the amount of de- degradation the solar cells will have over the lifetime of the International Space Station. Like, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll go, I think they'll get down to only like 40% of what their original capacity was by the time the International Space Station is supposed to be decommissioned in 20-something. The other um, curiosity there is how much of that is simply from being in space and how much of that is, well, effectively from space garbage from all the things we've kind of left up there. Oh, Apparently we've left I, quite a I lot. I think most of it's actually just uh, solar cells degra- uh, degrade oh, do, over time. I mean, They do burn out over time, that's right. Yeah. You, you get kind of a second lock going there. Hmm. Thermal dynamics, that whole thing. Right. Entropy. So anyways. <laughs> yes, after a wonderful long discussion, we have which like... Which we, we can actually use, because we're talking about Star Trek. Yes. And coming out next year, February 2nd, Star Trek Online. Oh, I am so excited for that game. I really am. Did you... Have you gotten a chance to play around with it yet? I played it at PAX, and I am actually in the beta right now, which I guess oh. means I can't really discuss anything yeah, about you it. You can't say anything. But... At least not on the um, show. From the snippet I played at PAX, which was pre-beta, snippet at PAX was like alpha level. Yeah. Um, the, the space combat in particular feels excellent. It feels really, awesome. really good. Um... Maybe not quite as complex as Bridge Commander, but definitely easier for somebody to just jump in and grab. And it is a lot of fun. I'm so looking forward to this game. I need a job so that I can afford it and play it. I know that feeling entirely too well. I'm just aff- I'm just wondering how this is going to compare to Eve. I think this is it's got a much bigger fan base than Eve had at launch since Eve had zero fan base. Uh, Eve is it, I don't think it's going to hurt Eve at all because the people who play Eve probably wouldn't play this. I would agree. Eve um, is, is much more economy and money and corporation kind of thing. Definitely. Uh, uh, go but ahead. This oh no, I, this just looks fantastic. Yeah, and. Uh, but with the whole Star Trek thing, I think it's kind of reaching for something very different from Eve. Because with Star Trek, um, you've got the ground-based combat, you've got the space-based combat, you've got the kind of... They're structuring the missions. I am led to understand from what I have read. <laughs> uh, in the way of... Kind of like an episode of Star Trek, where you have a little bit of an arc, and a few different things yeah, happen. You're, you're just kind of flying around, and it'll randomly be like, okay, it's mission time. Here's right. a choice. What do you want to do? That type of thing. Um, or you get orders from Starfleet and you, uh, you know, take take this ambassador to a planet, but he's not an ambassador. He's a shape changer and you have to, like, blow up a couple ships and all that type of thing. So, I mean, that's a lot. I, when I play an MMO, and I've played a handful, um, the grind is the thing that I like absolutely the least in any MMO. And the thing with Eve is that it feels like there is only the grind. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else there. You make money. You spend money. You make more money. Maybe you go out and you kill some dudes, and you hope you have good enough insurance on your ship. But but yeah, otherwise, it's... It's all grind, and there's not a lot of storyline. There's not a lot of fun atmosphere. And right. so that's it's kind of my objection to it. And I, I've tried Eve on a few occasions, and you know the graphics are very pretty, and I like the way that everything looks. But there's, there's the thing I just described, and there's the fact that you don't have direct control over your ship. Mm-hmm. And both of those things just turn me right off of it. I now, if, if Jumpgate Evolution comes out, 
then I'm going to be really torn between Star Trek Online and it. Because Jumpgate Evolution is a step even further past Star Trek to the point that it is a combat sim. Very simple controls, you know, mouse-based, but a space combat sim that is an MMO. And that is like crack cocaine to me. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Star Trek Online. I I hope I don't know. There's only like four months of beta left. I'd I'd really like to get my invite from Cryptic. I doubt it's going to happen at this point. Uh, they they've still got a lot to do. I've heard. So um, I, I I figure the beta period will be pretty lengthy. So you probably have a good chance yeah. again. Well, the beta will probably go up until the day like the weekend before when they shut down the servers to restart them. I suppose that makes sense. But yeah. The, really, the most yep. frustrating thing is the way that Cryptic does betas. Because um, rather than having servers open constantly, they open most them for two MMOs hours at a time. No, no, most MMOs do that. The two it's hours so at that a time. They can, yeah, it, it's so that they can watch the servers, watch the impact, and make changes on a regular basis. And that makes a lot of sense, really. Um, but As be- the beta progresses, you'll see those times get longer. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I actually... They did get a bit longer in the... Static. Um, Not me. Andy. uh, Looks like it it might be me. As we know, this headset is quite old. Yep. Right. Um, So as I was saying, uh, so yeah, the times the times will eventually loosen up a bit. But it's with with champions. It was kind of a I jumped on a few times and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I wasn't so engrossed with the uh, setting. And then with. with Star Trek Online, I jump on, I'm really excited, I'm doing missions, or, you know, I would be if I were in the beta, which I cannot confirm or deny. And then it pops up, <laughs> servers servers going to close in 10 minutes. But I just got started. Why are yeah. you doing this to me? So, yeah. I think you can say, I don't think the NDA says you can't say you're part I of can the beta. S- I think I can say that I'm in the beta, but I can't say anything specific about the beta. No, you, you certainly can't. So, so all the stuff you've told us is stuff that you, you discovered playing it at PAX. I played it at PAX, I read a few articles about it, and I have not told you anything specific that could be uh, right. discerned as being in the beta per se. So, so speaking of MMOs, yes. WoW has microtransaction pets. Yeah, they do. I saw that. that. And by microtransaction, I mean 10 bucks. Yeah. That's not really micro. No. It's it's just... Transaction. Yeah. Just transaction pets. I mean, it's kind of... They they look cute, and they look very WoW-ish. I can imagine seeing a lot of them, because half of that game is all about status of, oh, I have this and you don't. Yeah, but that was the old stuff. It was like, okay, yes, you can see the mini Diablos and the pandas and stuff for buying the collector's editions, but this one's just, oh, I got a ten spare ten bucks yeah. to throw around. Well, it's I have it and you don't. Yeah, I I don't know. I have an active subscription to WoW. I will not if I'm as poor as I am right now. Uh, by the time the next refresh rolls around, and I only play it to set things on fire with my friends. That nice. is that is what I do. I set things on fire. And really, most other mechanics to the game are entirely lost on me. So, Fire Mage or uh, Shadow Priest? Fire Mage. Okay. And Your Shadow yeah. Mage also does some fire. Not much. Sort of. Um, warlocks do too. They melt faces. Warlocks, but, um, but no. Fire Mage. Been playing a mage actually since the open beta for a while. So I, I don't know. I've been doing it for a long time. I do it now only because my friends are, are involved. So. Are any of your friends right. Chinese or no? Uh, one's 
uh, Canadian-born Chinese. They're not going to be on the Chinese servers, Andy. Oh. No, she's, she's not on the Chinese server. She is uh, on our server. You have to buy a Chinese copy of the game to get on the Chinese server. And apparently the, the government, the Chinese government says apparently the company that's been hosting WoW over there does not have a license with them to do so or a permit. Well, it's yeah, – it, they have – they have – it's a different part of the the minister. Uh, what is it? The Ministry of Cultures, Cultural Products Department, and like the there was another bureau also that are literally like fighting to say who actually has control of WoW. So it's a government conflict, but they're yeah. using WoW as the tool. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? Because if you supervise a more dynamic area with lots of growth potential, you have more budget and more administrative muscle. It's true. But that really is... That's neat. I need to find an article on that. It's linked right there on the right side of the page. Because, um, yeah, the, like the, it's the Ministry of Culture rejected the publishing bureau's claim to control over online games. It's... <laughs> the general... It would be so amusing if, if WoW were the catalyst that had destroyed the, the Chinese... Or not destroyed, but, like, unveiled the Chinese government, the inefficiencies that are inherent in the system. That would be terribly amusing to me. It, it's it's just ridiculous. Where it's like they're literally squabbling over who has control to regulate World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. And in the meantime, WoW players suffer. Well, come on. I mean, they they sort of set themselves up for it. Oh yeah, they did start playing. That's that's something I well, do see, not. But they suffer by not being able to play because every time that these two parts of the government fight about it, they end up shutting down the servers. It's good for them, really. It is. Speaking as somebody who plays, not playing is good. Right. I I pretty much only play on weekends anymore, and that's maybe one or two days because my friends are on, and so we we kill a few dragons and then we go get sloshed. It's a pretty good time. Nice. So, Andy, we brought up, I think it was last week, Child's Play, right? Ah, uh, Child's Play. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Uh, I'm not when sure. When I was asking if Child's Play is up yet. Oh, it's up now. It, it was when we had Johnny on. Yes. Because we were talking about the Extra Life thing. So that was last week. But Child's Play is up, and it's already started with over $200,000 in donations. Oh, man. Yep, from the looks of this little status bar, it looks like it's around 250000 now. Wow. A quarter million already. Yeah, they haven't even had their dinner yet. Yeah, so, which is going to happen on Tuesday, December 8th, so it... I can't wait to see what sort of things the different companies offer at that dinner. You guys remember last year, Blizzard's offering? Wasn't it like the giant statue or something? It was the little statue. Yeah. The ridiculously amazing statue, which is a miniature of the model that they have on their front lawn at... Blizzard Studios. That's I'm 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 just kind of balking at this number that they just started for the season. Well, most of those are our corporate donations. Nevertheless, though, I mean, I'm I'm yeah. I'm sorry, but dying kids can definitely pay their bills with money from corporations. I don't think they're yeah. going to feel bad about that. So that's that's oh. awesome. You're even getting things from Amazon, MTV, Super Mario um, Brother Marathon, Penn State University. Misty-eyed right now. Makes me so happy. Oh, <laughs> so yes, the Child's Play is back up there. The uh, Children's Hospital of Michigan is again on the donation. I don't know if there's the Seattle's Children's Hospital is also up there. So can't believe it's, it's now worldwide. Vintners? What? what? 
one of the the uh, the silver whatever silver sponsors. It's a little TV. Yeah, eight bit vintners. Yeah, it's a uh, wine. I had no idea. You haven't heard about them? No, but I want to try one of their bottles now. Well, go and buy a bottle from them. They play games, drink wine. It's I, I've heard about them, for goodness sakes. That's impressive. Okay. So the child's play, doing well mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Apparently the tickets to the dinner auction are going pretty quickly, so. Then those poor, poor desert bus bastards. <laughs> Uh, a cage made of what money. What are they up to? 70, 72 hours? Awesome. Let's see what they're up to right now. Desertbus.org. Loading. Loading. They're at 81 hours now. Oh. When do they do this? In nine 81 days. 81 hours. 81 hours playing Desert Bus. 81. Oh, those poor guys. It's like, oh, sweet. I got a three-day weekend. Ah, oh, crap. It's Desert Bus weekend. And now you've got to take a day off. <laughs> Thanksgiving is the 26th this year? Yes. It's going to be Friday, November 13th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time is the start date and time. So they start on Friday. They will have started by the time this podcast comes out. Well, best of luck to them, because I would would struggle. They they will actually still be going when this podcast comes out. Yes, you are correct. Um, Those poor bastards. Oh, yeah. Uh, The whole extra life thing. I mean, I had trouble gaming for 24 hours. The fact that they are not only gaming for 81 at this point, and note to the 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 listeners... driving a bus. (laughs) Driving a bus to Vegas and back, and to Vegas and back, as many times as the game will allow. Yeah, craziness. Uh, Okay, so next topic. Kind of going with the WoW Activision, Blizzard Activision thing. Oh, no. No doubt oh, sues no, Activision over quote-unquote circus act. Appearance oh, thank God. Band hero. <sighs> okay. So this is, this go is just going off of the whole, because uh, Courtney Love sued over the use of Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain in Guitar Hero. And now no doubt is suing over their use in Band Hero. Uh, my only question is, does anybody actually read these contracts that they are signing or no? No. Yeah, I mean, no. The thing is, that's what you pay a lawyer to do, and I think most of them just don't want to bother with it. They rely too much on their agents who say, yes, this is good, you'll make money, and not enough on their lawyers who say, you're going to ruin your image. Well, maybe the lawyers don't know what it technically is ruining their image. Yeah. What, um, what I find myself asking is, does anyone care about Band Hero? No. Because I care about it even less than Lego Rock Band. And I didn't even care about Lego Rock Band until I heard that the tracks are exportable and the Ghostbusters theme and Europe's The Final Countdown are in the track list. Oh, really? So you can export them to, like, Rock Band 2 Rock or something? Band 2. It, it, re- yep. it requires a code that is on the um, that is in the box, and you have to pay the $10 fee. Oh, well, that, and still, that, that means, like, that Rock sucks. Band 2 has got how many songs then, technically? Oh, thousands. A million billion. At this point, thousands. Uh, but... Seriously, they've they've got me by the wallet. Unfortunately, it's empty for them. Unfortunately for them. Well, also unfortunately for me. But yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I really I really want to play the final countdown really badly. Yeah. I'm looking at the list for Band Hero. Anything good? Uh, there's a cheap tricks song, uh, Mr. Roboto by Sticks, but that's, that's not, not exportable. Oh, well, it's all Band Hero. Why would it be exportable? 
Well, no, there seems there are some of them who are um, exportable to some Guitar on disc songs from Guitar Hero World Tour and Guitar Hero Smash Hits will be importable into Band Hero and Guitar Hero Five for an undetermined fee. Furthermore, six ninety nine the discs. Yeah, they can. You can. You can ex. You can import and export some of the songs from Guitar Hero World Tour and Smash Hits and Five and Band Hero into each other. How well, many? Here's Kung Damn. Fu Fighting, American Pie. Holy crap, that's a long song. How many freaking versions of Guitar Hero are there now? Wait, I stopped two, keeping one, track two, after three. Three, four, five. Aerosmith, Metallica, Van, Van Halen. Halen, World Eight, Tour. Nine. There's a second one for the DS. I don't remember its name. So that's ten Guitar Heroes. If if it's even broken down, if you want to break it down by harmonics versus Neversoft. This is still not a favorable comparison. No, it's it's like eight Neversoft. And there's um, let's see here, five, six, I think, um, harmonics. Oh, for Guitar Hero one and two, uh, Rock Band rock one and band two, one, two, Lego Beatles, Rock Band, Lego. Beatles Rock Band, and then if you want to count it separately, the um, DS version of Lego Rock Band. Yeah, yeah, but there's a there's, DS version. There's of ones band on the here. iPhone. There's ones on the iPhone. Oh, there's goodness. ones on the PSP. Wait, is that Rock Band? No. Yeah, there's a rock band on the iPhone. Oh, there is? Oh. Really? Pretty sure. Yeah. Huh. Because I, I remember Guitar Hero but got released for Verizon it's phones. Going back, it goes back towards uh, what amplitude and frequency were, where like you're doing one track at a time. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently the gameplay in that was pretty good. In frequency? It was well, fantastic. Well, in that and by proxy in the, in the, the yeah. PSP version. Yeah, That's it what I heard of- anyway. Some of these songs in Band Hero aren't bad. The Turtles, Happy Together, YMCA, Pretty Woman. Andy, was that just like a drone? That was a... Mm. Mm. Ambiguous so-so. Yeah. Come on, American Pie. And the, the one song in all of the Guitar Hero by uh, Neversoft franchise that has really, really made me consider playing it at all... Um, was One Arm Scissor by At the Drive In. That was in, I guess it was in World Tour. And that was it. That was the one song that caught my fancy. And that was not enough to get a whole game. And it still isn't. So, oh well. So, One Verse 100, the awesome, awesome game show with a rather annoying host, Chris Cashman, uh, is coming back. Season 2. Is still in beta. Oh. Season two is still in beta? in beta. I don't know. They haven't said whether or not it's still considered beta. It's just season two, and I believe it is still free to play for anyone with a gold membership and silver membership. I guess. So wait, silver can play now? Yeah. Can silver play for prizes? Uh, from the looks of this Kotaku, uh, Kotaku article, yes. Huh. On the silver multiplayer weekend. Ah, there's the catch. Ah, uh, of course. Ah, uh, those good old silver multiplayer weekends. I don't know. One, one versus 100 was pretty fun. I mean, it was kind I of a good... It. Everyone's over, hanging out, um, just kind of yelling the answers at the screen. That's yeah, I, I loved playing it, because we'd do it at my friends, and eventually we had parties of up to, like, six or seven people just sitting around playing one versus 100. That was pretty cool. At one point, we had two Xboxes with two TVs in the same room, and we were all on live <laughs> on one verse 100. Nice. It's really funny to get the party chat going on with people all, over, all on your friends list who are playing, and you just 
it's almost like Mystery Science Theater with the questions. It's like, really? They picked that answer? Or... <laughs> and it's just jokes about the, the funny answers that are on there. Are you going to be playing it again, Andy? I don't know. Oz? Pretty much, probably. I mean, pretty much definitely, actually. I'll see you on there, then. Um, you may. We'll be the ones not getting sports answers right ever. Yeah, well, I, I think I've gotten a sports answer. <laughs> well, maybe maybe one from guessing, but I've never known the answer going yeah. into one. Well, what was it? There was one I got, which was like the a standard distance for the two-point line uh, is how far away from the basketball hoop. And I, I estimated that one and got it right. Isn't it like 10 feet? I think it's 13, actually. Oh. Yeah. It was like 5 feet, 10 feet, and 20 feet. And I'm like, uh, I think it's that middle one. <laughs> Pretty sure about that. Yeah, it'll be fun to play that again, though. Makes a, it, I mean, it's less involved than a regular game, but that also it's is advantage. less alienating to people. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the Wii effect when you have somebody who's not yeah. really like, a gamer. For 1 vs. 100, I, I seriously considered during the first season just taking my Xbox, packing it up, and taking it to my parents and just playing it there with them. I kind of get that inclination with Beatles Rock Band, but um, uh, home is a long ways away for me. We, we actually did that at my friend's wedding. How'd it work? I mean, did it work out? Well... It it was Andy. fine until the preteen girls got a hold of rock band. Because oh, no. not only did you have the preteen girls singing along off-key in oh, horribleness, oh. but they oh, also no. were not very good at playing the game, so you didn't even get to hear the music. Oh, The Beatles rock band part was a lot of fun. They didn't really play it, but they loved just kind of singing. So eventually we just put the microphone in front of them. Uh, but they, you know, at the beginning of each song, it puts on the date of when the song was, was first released. So we had all these baby boomers behind us screaming out like, I was in high school. Oh, that's only I was a junior depressing. in college. I'm like, oh, God. I, I actually feel slightly good about the fact that um, the most, I guess, my parents would say was that they were in high school because they broke up. Um, the Beatles did. Like, right before my folks graduated from high school. So that's reassuring, anyway. So They're pretty old. They're like, mid-50s. No offense to my parents. Very unlikely that they'll hear this podcast, but... Yeah. Your your parents are young. Yeah. Sorry, man. In, the, in, the, in their 50s? They're young? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my dad's 63. Andy's is 62? No. Or is oh. your dad older than mine? Mine's older than yours. Mine would okay. have was 42 when I was born. Yeah. Wow. So That's he's, crazy. He's got to be 66 then. 67. 67 now. Mm-hmm. I have friends who's of the same age range whose parents just hit their 40s. <laughs> yep. So, okay, I guess I guess mine are in the middle then. <sighs> All right. This is, this is news <laughs> to me. Yeah. So now you get to go home and be like, hey, mom, dad, you, you guys are actually young. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how they'll take that. And, and again, getting home is, it's a pretty long drive. Yeah, I, yeah. I assume they still live uh, way up. Yes. Yeah. Yes, way up. And they actually spend as little time at home now as possible. They spend time out at their cabins. So, Is that farther up or is that farther down? It's farther down, but it's on a remote stretch of road that during the winter, which I guess constitutes right now, Um, one of them is only accessible by snow machine or as the lower 48 calls them snowmobiles, which is not the right word. Um, because the road that the place is along is merely not plowed in the winter. It's, 
a fool's enterprise to try to plow the snow off of it. Right. So they just turned it into a snow machine trail. Interesting term, snow machine. Because I think of a snow machine as something you use to clear a trail. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I would think or, of snow machine as a machine to create snow. That oh, is what right. that is what every everyone says, and I will I will tell you what I tell my other friends who make the same comment. Once you've had one of them roll over on top of your legs, you can call it whatever the hell you like. <laughs> the right term is snow machine. Okay. <laughs> That's a fun story that I'll, I'll have to tell you some other time. Speaking yeah. of pain, Comcast, in a filing with the FCC, actually released what their traffic throttling triggers are. Really? Yeah. What are their triggers? The first trigger is if you're using more than 70% of your maximum downstream or upstream bandwidth for more than 15 minutes. Which sucks because it means I can't actually use what I pay for. That's, that's what I thought when I read that. I'm like, wait, so if I use three quarters of my bandwidth for more than 15 minutes, they're going to throttle me? Yep. So this, this actually kind of parlays to something else. Uh, same, very same question, though. So if you were to use the streaming functionality of Netflix, you would be flagged. Yeah. That's silly. <laughs> yep. That's not, that's not, there's, that was the first one. There's a second one, too, that you also could be flagged with. If the CMTS, which is basically the main hub that they use, which can hold up to 15,000 other people on a single hub if you're in a major metropolitan city. Mm -hmm. If that gets congested and somehow your traffic is, quote-unquote, somehow identified as being responsible, you will also be um, flagged. So it could be that you're using 70% of your bandwidth, but somehow you you clog the main hub. Well, you could be using 10% of your bandwidth, but if everyone else is using 1% of theirs and it's still enough to clog the, the CMT, then you're flagged and they'll cut your bandwidth. Yeah, so you, you're, uh, you'll be throttled down until your average bandwidth utilization rate drops below 50, 50% for 15 minutes. That's stupid. That sucks. That's Comcast. I'm, I'm really glad that we're on uh, Speakeasy here now, because, man. IAS, what? Um, That's my, no, no, not dumb. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's not as fast as a Comcast connection would be, but it's also extremely consistent, which is very nice. I wonder if I'm allowed to pay 75% of my bill. You are not. If, if I'm working with Comcast. It's like, Andy, well, you remember what we just talked about, about reading the contracts? Yeah. There's <laughs> you probably might want to go do that. You are saying that they're able to do whatever they want to do with your internet access at any point right. in time. You, true. you might want to go read that before you start going like, I'm not getting what I pay for. And then if they terminate your service, wh- what are you going to do? You got DSL and you got satellite then. Yeah. <laughs> so... You, you get hosed. Oh. I think, um, I don't know, the whole monitoring customer traffic and then uh, throttling down and all that. I mean, I know it's Lojo automated, but it, it reminds me also of their policy to have customer service people search the internet for complaints about Comcast and then contact those people directly. That's that, terrifying. That just sounds like pro, you know, proactive... Uh customer service it as long as by contact you mean how can we help you fix this issue if you mean contact as in take this down or we're going to it's, cut off your support it's, that's it's the former 
it's the former, so maybe it's a little good, but I still find it kind of creepy. Oh, I see that as fine. I mean, you're posting in a public place that you're dissatisfied with the service. That's true, and that is Having the kind them of logic. Come in and say, how can we help? I think that's great. I mean, it's certainly better than posting your public photos somewhere online and then somebody comes by and photoshops them in a humorous manner and reposts them to your blog. Yes. Um, not to say that I've ever done this right. a lot. Not to Just say like that I've done this. Brought- you aren't in the times. beta for Star Trek Online. <laughs> yes. But I suppose that somebody trying to help you rather than merely having fun with your personal shit uh, right. is, is probably preferable. Yeah. All right, Dave. Is there any topic that you want to hit before you hit the random topic? Uh, EA bought Petfish or Pet Society, whatever. Playfish. Playfish. Playfish, Playfish Play by Society. Pet Society. Society Play Fish. Society. Yes. I can't speak anymore. EA acquired Playfish, which is a huge little company. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, is this a return to EA's old way? Well, didn't EA also just announce that they were cutting back on some of their... They were cutting like 1,500 yeah, jobs a ton or of jobs. Most yeah. of which were through the indie developers that EA bought. Yeah. So I think uh, we might be seeing EA return to its tried-and-true method of buy the competition and then lay off everyone but their best workers. And In yet, fact, lay off their best workers, too. We're just going to buy them. And yet, I feel better about EA still than I do about Activision. No, because Activision has some nice stuff in it. Activision, he said, arising to the black altar at which he worships, Activision is attempting to stifle the development of community, the community that would naturally coalesce around games, in order to push an agenda of DLC selling and game Basically, moving games that would not otherwise move. All right, how about, than a, how about this? They're okay. both evil. Yeah, I guess we can work with that. Okay. But I still I, feel better about EA. Yeah, Random I, topic. I don't want to even go near Modern Warfare 2 right now. I just, I, I, see, I just can't, I can't forgive EA for what they did to Westwood Studios. I will never quite forgive them for it, but I will consider it before I forgive Activision for what happened to Modern Warfare 2. Okay. That is all I'm going to so, say on the topic, because otherwise it's going to take another hour. Yeah. Hour, and we don't have another hour. We've really got to wrap this up. Yeah, we've got time for the random topic, which I rolled ahead of time. I rolled an eight, which is our favorite pre-1990 video game. Andy? I actually have a bunch, but that you can always group them all together. The Sierra Adventure Games. So Space Quest, King's Quest. Yeah, Space Quest, King's Quest, Leisure uh, Suit Larry. Uh, Torvald something. No. Torrance Passage. I was going to go you with Space Quest, Quest, King's Quest, Police Quest, and Leisure Suit Larry. Those are like okay. the four. Okay. All those with their little, the AGI interface with everybody with their, looking like they're 8-bit people. Yep. Those were, those were all fun. And those were basically all before... 1992 so yeah we had difficulty thinking about this one because <laughs> yeah, like, all the games were coming up with like released in 1991 fuck released in 1990 god it's like okay <laughs> no wait super nintendo in a way that came out after 1990 that was not was like 92 and it's like well, wait, the nothing CD-ROM CD-ROM game. so what about oh wing commander 1990 son of a <laughs> <sighs> oh, what'd you me. find Oh, uh, you're you're making me go first to tip my hand. No, I, I well, I made Andy go first. <laughs> oh, I think I think you should go first because either no, I'm no, going no. to blow Dave? your mind or you have reached the same 
pick that I have. Dave, yo, do it. Okay. All right. So I I saw some and I found some that I, I really like. Number Munchers for one. Yeah, remember Number Munchers. Uh, ice hockey on the on the NES was fantastic. Oh, with I the love big fat guys. Oh yeah. Yeah, the fat guys, the medium guys, and the skinny guys. Oh yeah. Uh, Ninja Gaiden was a, a great game. But I think my my favorite pre ninety game, Oregon Trail. Nice pick. Excellent choice. Thank you, sir. Ah, Oregon Trail. I didn't even think of Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail's great. Isn't it? First released in 1971. (laughs) Remember on the big, huge floppy disks. Hell yes. Well, I can can go ahead and list my choices now, I suppose. Yeah. So, first I was kind of struggling. Uh, A lot of games came out. Post or post nineteen eighty nine. So, um, but I did I did come to a few different choices. First one that occurred to me was Transylvania, which was an old adventure game that was on a bunch of different platforms. It was on uh, the C sixty four. It was on DOS. It was on um, the Atari, uh, the Atari eight bit, the Atari ST. So. Um, and that was one, it's just a fun little adventure game. It actually had some graphics, which was kind of neat. And so, yeah, that one, pretty cool. Then DuckTales occurred to me because (laughs) DuckTales, I loved that game so much. I never owned an NES as a kid, but I did get to play it at a friend's house a lot. And it's just under the line. It's September, 1989 was when it was released in uh, North America, but Really just a wonderful, wonderful platformer. A lot of fun. Uh, then your mention of Oregon Trail caused me to pull this one up very, very quickly uh, because I played this when I was in kindergarten, and that was Odell Lake, which was a fish simulator for the Apple II and Commodore 64. I think I may remember that. That said, I think I still have to rate Oregon Trail as higher. I would, I would overall rate Oregon Trail is higher, but I do have fond memories of Odell Lake. I will never right. forget, um, well, I guess I did forget, but uh, <laughs> I believe it was um, Heron, the type of bird, the fishing bird. Yeah. I'll never forget what that is because I was playing, and I was on fire this one time. I guess I was playing this like a Dolly Varden, and you know, eating when I should eat, low escape or high escape when I, was, I should do those. And then it says, a Heron approaches, what do you do? And I guess it was Osprey, my bad. Um, that's what it says on the wiki article. But the I, I, I didn't know what an Osprey was. I mean, I was in kindergarten. I had no idea. So I was like, an Osprey? I'll try and eat it. And so <laughs> I, select, I select that, and my fish makes the animation where it goes forward. And then these talons like, jump into the water, grab my fish, and disappear. <laughs> oh, my God. What happened? Oh. So I will, I'll never forget what an Osprey is. I had to remind myself which you know, fishing yeah. bird it was. But that sucks. My choice, my choice that will blow your minds. Not to say Uh-oh. I played it on the original hardware, but I did play a DOS port for it that had to come before 1980. Gentlemen, I give you Space War. You know, I actually thought about putting that in there just because it was such, you know, it was kind of the foundational game. But I mean, F-19 was better than this. It was a crappy game. Oh, it was a great because it was on. the first one. But no, look at it. It was a crappy little game. It's an excellent little. It has simple but absolutely classic mechanics. You have two ships. You have inertial gravity uh, and 
It's great. It's absolutely great. It's a fun multiplayer title. And I did find uh, in some reference book, I was doing a research project in high school. I really wish I could find this book again. But it was the first, it, it referenced the first Space War Championship of the Free World. And as far as I can tell, this is the first LAN or gaming party that ever happened. It was a bunch of scientists in front of one of these computers going one-on-one with each other. And it, like, described the strategies that some of them would use. And it was it was awesome. And so, I mean, sure, it was extremely primitive. It was made in 1962. So 61. 61, well, yeah. Well, they thought about it, started, it in 61. Yeah, it was uh, Steve Russell and the Tech Model Railroad Club. And, yeah... I don't know. I, I played the DOS version that I had when I was a kid, and I played it a lot against my brother, and it was super fun. Now, so. when did the DOS version come out? You see, that's the that's the kicker, because given this, that this the version I was qualify. playing was some version of, uh, let's see here, it was some version that was not really officially made. Uh, I can't I can't find any reference to a DOS version. So, well, but then again, you it was just your favorite pre ninety game, not necessarily your. Uh, there you go. The version play. I played may not have been pre ninety, but the game itself was pre ninety. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call that good. And the All computer right. that I played it on was literally as old as myself. So <laughs> it's it's probable that was one of the few things that was on it, along with an ancient version of Flight Simulator. So I'll I'll say that would probably probably was pre nineteen ninety. Okay, so now after your long discussion about games I never played, um, I just thought of two more okay. that were pre-1990 and I really enjoyed. Um, there's Tetris on the Game Boy. Ooh, many, classical. many hours went into that little thing there, especially with the non-rechargeable batteries at the time. Where you just literally like, bought that big pack of double A's and then you just kept on swapping like them in and out. Putting them in, yeah. yeah. And then it just always sucked when that battery light started to go dim. You're like, oh no. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be able to finish this. And then it just goes blank and you're like, well, crap. Yep. And the second? The second is game that I had on the floppy disk. Where in the USA is Carmen Sandiego? Yes. That game taught me so much about looking up stuff in the encyclopedia and figuring... Because you had to figure out like where she was going, so you had to you had to either you knew where she was going or you had to look it up and figure it out. And then there was also trying to catch the criminals and everything. And I never actually was able to catch Carmen San Diego in my game, which to this day has always been such a pain in the butt. Especially <laughs> since I don't know where the disc is anymore. Haunts Andy to this day. Yes, where it's literally like I was so close where I had to get a right answer every single time in order to catch the criminal. I did play the Windows version of that down the road. Um, I think it was the CD-ROM version with the uh, chief from the TV show playing the part of the chief. Yeah. Which I guess some people might see as a cop-out, but uh, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I actually beat where in, the, where in the World. And it was extremely, extremely close. I almost caught one of her body doubles because she has several on the last level or the last one you finally confront her. Uh, but the body double was not wearing her necklace, and I noticed that just before apprehending her, and totally won. It was great. I think my little brother was there. <sighs> that was a fun little trip down memory lane. Yeah, it yep. was. All right. So, Oz, anything you you want to uh, plug? <sighs> plug. We've got your link to Epic Default. That's right. Uh, you can always you can always plug that. Uh, also, I'm actually going to be recording. Um, a podcast tomorrow with the guys over at Silicon Sasquatch. Um, and we're going to actually be discussing at length 
the thing that I just glossed over today, the, the whole Modern Warfare 2 controversy, among other recent controversies uh, regarding the features and content of games. Uh, so let me get you the address for that. SiliconSasquatch.com. It's exactly how, it's, uh, exactly how right. it sounds. If you can actually spell Sasquatch. Yeah. Or silicon. Yeah, silicon, that... not silicone. Silicon Sasquatch. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on again. Uh, it's always a pleasure being here. And do you have anything else? Nope, I'm, I'm tapped out.